Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. I just feel there is something special in the house today. I don't know, Pastor Justin, man. I, and uh, I don't, hopefully we don't ruin it with this title, this opener here in a second. Pastor Justin is going to help me with the title for my sermon. Before we get into that, I'm going to read the verses and got about 35 minutes to bring you the word and pray for you. And um, I uh, am in the book of Galatians. We've been going through Galatians all the way through. We're in chapter three. I'm going to try to finish chapter three today. I'm going to give you three sections of chapter three where Paul, the apostle, breaks down chapter three. Um, We had an amazing weekend. We served over uh, 300 boxes of food yesterday. Come on. And then about 1,200 1200 families, 1,200 meals got got distributed in the rain. Come on. Labor Day weekend in the rain. Gave away 1,200 meals to people. And so thank you. Listen, church, thank you for your generosity and your heart to give and just what you're doing. You are making a difference in our community and in this region right here. And so I just want to say thank you. I remember one, one young lady I met yesterday named Sandra. Uh, she has moved here and she began to cry. She said, I have no friends and I have no family here. I said, well, welcome home. You have friends and family here now. This is what we're here. That's why we exist. That's what this is. It's a family. The Bible says God sets the lonely in families. That's why I, tell, I said, I, even if you feel lonely, she goes, well, I haven't come to church because I'm scared because I know I'll cry. And she was crying at the time. I said, well, you crying now. It's okay. We still love you. We're family. Come on to church. We'll cry together. I've been crying in the back all morning long. And uh, I just, I just um, believe and that it's, it's your heart and your spirit and, and this house that makes that possible. And then again, I did, I did say that. I have a good friend. Um, that, that called me this, this weekend on Friday and his dad had passed away from a heart attack and um, passed away twice and, and God did a miracle, brought him back to life. Um, and, and it was through prayers, it was through praying. God heard our prayers. The doctor said, it's a miracle. There's nothing else we can explain it by. And he wasn't done with his time. He serves here. He's part of our generous house. And so, I don't know, it just made me grateful. Just made me grateful. Each day, each moment, you know, Paul's talking about just being sons of God in Galatians and, uh, man, I think we're going to kill the moment, Justin. I can't, we can't, I'm not, let's don't, let's don't do that today. Yeah. I love you, man. I'll explain it. I'll explain it to you. So you're not in suspense the rest of my sermon. Um, but, I, but I just feel the presence of God and I don't want to do that. I don't want to sing that. Um, Paul talks about four categories of people and basically breaks down all of life in Galatians chapter three into four categories, just just four. He gives us two categories at first, and I'm going to deal with those. Then he gives us two other categories for the last two sections of the chapter, and I'm going to deal with that. Um, I want to read the first verses to you, verses four, uh, verses 10 through 14. And this is the first two categories that Paul gives us. He says this in Galatians 3, 10 through 14 for as many as are for for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse now now keep in mind he's talking about the 10 commandments and i know in in the southern bible belt this is going to mess with some of y'all today but i'm going to give you the solution i'm going to give you how to treat the law i'm going to give you how to treat the 10 commandments in the last section of the chapter how do new testament believers treat the law I'm going to give that to you. Paul gives that to us. He says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. 
For it is written, cursed is anyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith. But the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Justin was going to help me with my title. My title is A Simple Kind of Man. He was going to sing Leonard Skinner, A Simple Kind of Man for us. I just don't feel that right now, but my title is a simple kind of man. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for simplicity. Thank you that Christ did it all. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. We come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus clearer today. Jesus, show us the Father more clearly and continue to let us know who we are in Jesus' name. Amen. A simple kind of man. I don't, I don't know, but for some reason we have a tendency to make life complicated. I think, I think mankind makes things complicated. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I have a tendency to make things complicated. I, I think there's several reasons. I'm not sure all of them. There's probably a huge list of why we make things complicated. I think sometimes we want to look smarter than everybody else. I think sometimes we want to be so de- needed or we want everybody to depend on us. And so, you know, at work, that guy that's always complicated, go, it's compl- you wouldn't understand this. It's complicated, you know, and so, so they're like the hero of everything at work because it's too complicated for all of us other minions to understand. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we just, we just, we just don't want to be honest about our situation. So we say it's complicated. Come on. You ever ask somebody about their relationship? What about your relationship? It's complicated. What, what does that even mean? Like it, is, it just means you can't describe the chaos and dysfunction that you've allowed yourself to live in. And, and so instead of trying to define it, you just said, uh, it's complicated. And we, we tend to complicate things. And uh, it's, it's scary sometimes. It's actually dangerous. And, and a lot of times we tend to bring complications into our walk with God. We have a tendency to complicate stuff. Come on. We complicate healthy eating. There's a thousand fad diets. Come on. How many of y'all just ended one and you're going to another? You got keto. You got paleo. You got keto. You got ketosis. You got strips to breathe into. You got all meat. You got all vegetables. You got all water. You got 40 days. You got eat till noon, eat afternoon, eat till six, eat till seven. Don't eat fast. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, all you got to do is peruse the perimeter of the grocery store. That's where the natural stuff is. It's the veggies. It's not complicated. Eat some veggies, eat some healthy food. You know, like we complicate it. We, we complicate exercise. We got P90X. We got PS45. We got 40. We got orange theory, red theory, green theory, blue theory, complicated TV. We've got 30,000 stations and channels, complicated male and female. Uh Uh-oh. It's complicated. It's pretty simple. My book. Complicated coffee. <laughs> Somehow we've managed to complicate water. I just, I just think like we, we complicate. The older I get, the simpler I want it. Like I just like sometimes, the, you know, the things I used to fight my wife over, I'm like, it's, I, don't, I don't care. I love you. 
the things I used to argue about, I just, I just ended up like, oh, I just want simple. I love you. I love you. Whatever you want. And, I, and, I, and the danger of bringing complexity into our relationship with God is this. Complexity breeds complacency. So a lot of times, the more complex we make it, the less we have to do. And Jesus said it was as simple as a child to get and as simple as for us to understand. And so we put action to our faith when it's more simple. Paul breaks down all of life into four categories. The first two categories, chapter 10, verse 10 through 14, is this. You're either under curse or you're in Christ. That, that's the entire category of humanity. Paul says you're either under a curse or you're in Christ. And, and, and literally, it's impossible to be part of both. You can't be under Christ and in a curse at the same time. Paul talks about the law. The Judaizers were teaching that you had to keep the law. And if you didn't keep all the law, you would actually go back under curse category. They thought that you had to do the law to be blessed, do the law to be right with God, do all of the law and keep all of the law. And Paul keeps telling the Galatians, stop trying to go back to cursed category. Stop trying to prove. And when you try to go back to doing all the right things to be blessed, you go back under the category of being cursed. Paul says you're either under curse or in Christ. And, and, and what curse? What's the curse? It's the curse of the Garden of Eden. They were in the Garden of Eden in chapter uh, three of verse uh, chapter three in Genesis. And literally they were, there was total fellowship with Jesus. There was no darkness. There was no separation. There was no death. There was no disease. There was no destruction. There was no pain. There was no depression. There was only light and blessing. And they were in this relationship with God. And then sin enters in. And as soon as sin entered the garden, then this curse enters. Sin is just missing the mark. Adam and Eve blew it. Sin enters. All of mankind is affected. I've taught you that in chapter 1 and 2. All of mankind is affected. And now it's cursed. The ground is cursed. Thorns and thistles. Sweat of your brow. Pregnancy. Pain. Toil. All of it. Suffering. Depression. Stressful activity. That's the curse. And so Paul literally says, when you go back to self-reliant effort, when you go back to trying to be good for God, when you go back to your own ability and effort to keep all of the rules, when you go back to that, you enter back into stressful, anxious, tiring activity. Wow. You enter back into this self-reliant ability. You got to protect yourself, provide for yourself, promote yourself. That's, that's being an orphan. That's not, that's not who we are as children of God. We've got a God, a father who protects, provides, and, and promotes us. Why go back? Paul says, why go back under a curse? Verse 11, he says this. Let's be clear. No one can be right before God by obeying the rules. And, and listen, I want to I help you. I'm going to get to what the law is about. Because I know some of you are, are got this little religious spirit just in your heart going, I can't believe he's throwing out the law. Paul did. Now, now, now he didn't. I'll, let me just, I'll get there. He says, you can't be right with God by obeying all the rules. The just shall live by faith. He's saying, all you can do is stay in faith in Christ. All you can do is believe Jesus every day. All you can do is stay in faith. Verse 12, the law is not of faith and the man that does the law shall live by them. What he's saying is you can't be both a law person and a faith person. You, you, you can't be both. And so, so it's like, it's like cheering for Florida when Tennessee's not playing. That's sickening. You can't. Well, I cheer for Florida when Tennessee's not playing. You can't. You, you can't do both. Come on, we Vols fans, everybody. You, there's no. He's saying stay in Christ. He's saying the law is a sick cycle of law living. Come on, the legalists live in a constant state of unfinished works. 
Some of y'all know what that's like at home. Some of you know what that's like with your spouse. Never good enough. Never finished. Some of you know what that's like as a kid. Your parents put that on you. A constant state of unfinished works. That's the law. That's law living. Just it's a cycle and you're always tired. You're always frustrated. You're never good enough. It's never complete. And if I just did more, but in Christ, I lay my head down to sleep in Christ. I sleep, but he never slumbers in Christ. When I'm sleeping, he's working on my behalf to do what I can't do for myself in Christ. I rest. Paul says in Christ, we Lay down and sleep. Listen to me. Here's the thought. The law always tells you what you didn't do. Grace always tells you what's been done for you. Oh, I'm so thankful that he did it for me, that I don't have to earn it, that I can't prove it. Like verse 12, he says, if you're going to live by the law, you must do all of it. Like, get this, like you must do it all. There wasn't just 10. They had turned them into about 366 laws, 635 laws. I think that's how they, that's what the, the Jews had turned it into. The, the priests or the pastors of the day had turned it into. You don't know how many church people I've met that have gone to churches and it was all these lists of stuff and these rules and all these things they had to do. To, and I'm like, whoa. And that's what was happening here. That literally, if you're going to, Paul says, if you're going to do it, you've got to do all of it. Come on, any, any, any old school mamas that made you eat all of it? You, I'm, I, I, I hate okra. Hate it. You can fry it. You can, you can put all it, you can put spice on. It's the most, it's the nastiest vegetable on the planet. You cut that thing open, you fry it to try to trick somebody. And then on the side, it's slimy with seeds inside of it. It's, it does. And then, I mean, you can drown it with ketchup, with sauce. It doesn't matter what you put on okra. And my mama used to make, you're going to eat all of it. And I would negotiate. I would bargain. I would cry. I would, I would gag. Trying to elicit some kind of emotion out of my mama, but she would say, You're going, she would get a book out. I knew when the book came out, I was there. She'd begin to read, pull out a newspaper. Son, we are sitting here until every piece is gone. That's the law. You can negotiate with it, you can gag on it, you can try to get around it, but if you're going to live by law, you got to do all of it. You got to do every bit of it. And, and the reality is, Paul's saying it's impossible. Verse 13, he makes this big statement Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The word redeem there is, is an ancient warfare term. It's actually used in ancient Greek and in the Roman empire in ancient times when an army would conquer another army and this army would be defeated. They would take captives and they would make them slaves. They would put them into bondage. And so everybody that became a, a, a bond slave or was, was a slave of the army that won. If they had a rich relative, their relative could redeem them back out of bondage or could redeem them back out of slavery. And what Paul is saying is that we had a rich relative named Jesus. That there was this sin that put us in bondage to, to slavery and to our flesh and to our own desires and to, and to whatever culture says. And there was this bondage that came into our life. We were literally slaves of sin and Satan. And Jesus died, paid a rich price to pull us out and redeem us from what we had been doomed under, which was the law and sin. Does that make sense? Jesus bought us back. We went from slave to saved and what Jesus did when he redeemed us. And so if you're under law, you're cursed, you're doomed, you're, 
If you're trying to keep the law, you're cursed to repeat the same mistakes. If you're saved, you can't be a slave. If you're, if you're under Jesus, you can't ever be cursed. Literally, you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus became a curse. He received all of the curse on a tree, all the pain publicly exposed, shame, uh, guilt, regret, all of it on a tree, the pain, toil, depression, strife, all of it. He took it all. You are free. So my question is, stop living like you're under curse. Stop going back to the curse category. Verse 14, he says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. What, what, what he's saying is in the Christ category, you have no legal right to believe for anything but blessing in your life. That's it. In the, under the Christ category, I have no legal right ex, to accept to believe for good. I have no legal right to expect bad now or in my future. Amen. It might come, but I have no precedent to believe for it. Yes, life has tough turns, but, but there's no, nothing in my life. And I meet believers all the time that believe for curse. Well, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. What's that even mean? I don't know. That's complicated. Nothing good really ever happens to me. I don't get my hopes up. Don't get your expectations too high. You won't be let down. It is what it is. Well, that's complicated. What is it? Let's, let's talk about it. Like, it, it. It's not is what it is. It's what God says it is. It, my family deals with this and so will I. My depression, my ADD, my addiction. Come on, listen, it's not yours. It's not your identity. Can I tell you, you might be fighting it, but you don't have to believe for it and own it. Man, fight it. Don't own it. That's my, my whatever. Man, quit using personal pronouns to own this stuff. We have a whole culture that wants to own this stuff and label you with all this stuff. You're under Christ. You're not in curse. It made a difference. I want to start believing for good and believing for blessing and believing for I'm a man or woman of God. You're a man or woman of God. You believe for what God has given. You're a Christian. You're under Christ. Paul says you're not under curse. The best is yours. The future is yours. You can expect favor and blessing and grace and goodness and mercy. David said, I've got a shepherd. He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. He leads me through death. He comforts me with a rod and a staff. He sets a table for me in the middle of my enemies. He makes my head run with oil. He makes my cup overflow with blessing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to preach it up today. And some of y'all are going to walk out of here and be like, nah, I don't know if any of that's for me. It's because you're still living under law. You still think you, des you don't deserve it or do deserve it based on your own behavior and actions. The reality is, Paul says, you're either under Christ, in Christ, or under curse. Galatians 3, 15 through 18, it says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it only is a man's covenant, yet, it, if, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Again, he's talking about the promise to you. Now to Abraham and to his seed, capital S, were the promises made. Talking about to Jesus. To Abraham and to Jesus were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which was 400 year, 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ. 
that it should make the promise of no effect. For if inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Here's what Paul begins to do. He tells us how to relate to the law as New Testament believers. The Judaizers were saying, if you want to be accepted, you have to keep all the law. They said, you've, kept, you, you've received grace. What about the law? Shouldn't you do the law? Shouldn't you hang up the Ten Commandments in the courtroom? Shouldn't you put the Ten Commandments up in schools? Won't the Ten Commandments fix it? If the Ten Commandments would fix it, there would be no problems. The Ten Commandments worked. There'd be no crime. There'd be no courtrooms. We're arguing about the wrong thing. It's the blood of Jesus. Paul says, here's what you need to do with the law. You can't please God by keeping it. And if you do, you go back under a curse. Verse 15, he says, I'm going to speak to you in the manner of everyday language. I'm going to give you an analogy of a contract. He begins to talk about a contract that was made with Abraham. And he says that this contract, the later contract, the the addendum to the contract was was the law 430 years later, can't change the original contract. This is, he's talking about men's contracts or or, or business contracts. Verse verse 15, he says, I'm going to speak to you in this everyday language. Verse 16, now to Abraham and to his seed, capital S, were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. He's saying that everything points to Jesus, that all the law points to Jesus, all the commandments point to Jesus, all the Old Testament points to Jesus, and we have access to the promise by believing Jesus. I said it last week, many of us believe in God, but a lot of times we don't believe God. It's easy to believe in God, but when it comes time to believe what God said about life, healing, miracles, who you are, you're going to go out of here and the devil's going to lie to you. He lied to me. I had a prayer team around me this morning praying for me because the devil was lying to me about stuff in my life and about healing for my own body. And so I have men and women praying for me. The devil loves to lie to us and we have to believe Jesus, not do more. Does that make sense? He says, the point of all of it's Jesus. Verse 17, the law came later after, the, after heaven's contract with grace came. And if you add it, it doesn't annul the original promise. Begins to talk about Abraham. Abraham met with Jesus. God gave Abraham the law. Here's the thing. Grace living is one-sided. Law living is two-sided. So when the, you can go back to Genesis 15 and 12 in those areas and study this. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he actually put Abraham to sleep. Because God knew mankind couldn't keep it. God knew Abraham couldn't keep his promise. And so God just needed a man in faith. He put him to sleep. And then God said, I'm going to make this promise based on my, my right hand, my son, Jesus. I'm going to do all the work. When the, when the law came, it actually didn't come firsthand. It came thirdhand. He begins to talk about the law came through Moses and it can't annul the original contract. The original contract was by faith with Jesus and Abraham. The gospels preached the contract 430 years later. The addendum was added to the original promise. And, and it can't change the original promise. When, when Moses got the Ten Commandments, it says in the scriptures, you can go read it again. It came from, from God to angels. From angels, this is talking about the Ten Commandments. It came from God to angels. It's the second time. The first time, remember, Moses got it. He broke them all, went back up, got it the second time. When he went back up the second time, God gave it to angels. Angels gave it to Moses. Moses gave it to the people. It was a third-hand relationship with God. When God made the promise to Abraham, it was a first-hand relationship through Jesus. God wants you and I to have a first-hand relationship, not a third-hand relationship. So Paul now begins to break down the rest of the chapter into the next two categories. He says, you're either under guard 
which is the law, or under God? It's the only next two categories. You're either, you're either under curse or in Christ. You're either under guard or under God. Galatians 3, 19 through 25. Y'all with me today? But what purpose then does the law serve? So Paul's about to tell us. Here's the point. It was added because of transgression, sin, till the seed, capital S, till Jesus should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Here's the third hand relationship with the law. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. He wants a first hand relationship with you. Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. Paul's like, is the law fighting grace? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture is confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus might be given to those who believe. But before faith, listen to this, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. After what? After Jesus came. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, there's not an age limit on grace. There's a faith limit. Does that make sense? But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So Paul begins to teach what the law does and how, how, it, how it affects our life. And here's the thing. If you don't know what to do with the law, it'll creep back in in your life. Because our flesh likes it. We like lists. We like rules. We like rankings. We like to judge one another based on how well we kept it or didn't keep it so we can put each other in the statuses and the, and the rankings based on their behavior versus our behavior. Our flesh likes it. And so if, if, we, if we don't know what to do with it, it'll creep back in. Paul says, listen, it was added. It can't annul the original contract. It can't annul faith. It can't annul garden living. The original contract was garden living, love living, life living with Jesus. Holy Spirit living, love living, not law living. Verse 19, he says, the law was added because of transgression, because of sin. The law was added to tell you and I that we're in a desperate, destitute state of destruction without Jesus. It was meant to show us that there's no help but a savior that literally the law was given to convince, the 10 commandments were given to convince you and I that we need a savior. And, and here's what blows my mind. This is what's crazy. God gave us, listen to me, listen real closely. God gave us an attached addendum to the contract to convince us we are sinners and we use it to convince ourselves we're righteous. <laughs> God said, I'm gonna give you this, this addendum to the promise of the covenant to show you how much you need a savior, but we love to flip it and we're gonna keep all the rules and make us think we're good. Paul's like, you're, you're, you're missing it. And if you misuse the law, it leads to extreme customs and circumstances and conditions and curses and steps and anxiety and pressure. And you don't, oh, come on. I, I hope I'm talking to somebody that's ever walked through this before. Yes. Come on. I, I know I've, I've been there before. I've been in a communion ceremony one time where you couldn't take it till you had the right gloves on. Come on, somebody. I had people get on me about having open communion, like letting people take it. I'm like, man, you know, he needs to be a priest. You know, no, we're good. I, I just, there's all types of rules and regulations that we've made it. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. The law is given. Here, verse 19, until the seed shall come. Till Jesus shall come. Do you know, do you know that the, even the law was wanting Jesus to come? Yeah. 
Even the law was asking for Jesus to show up. Here, here's the thing. The law is, is good. It was just temporary. The law was not eternal. It was meant to point us to Jesus. Jesus embodies the law. The law and Jesus don't contradict each other. Grace and Jesus, uh, grace and the law don't contradict. It was just temporary in its customs to point us and to prepare us for Jesus. Does that make sense? The law is eternal, but it points to Jesus. Verse 19, it says it was appointed through angels, through the hand of a mediator. The law was third hand. The gospel is first hand. He goes on in verse 20. He says that God met one-on-one with Abraham and he gave him this one-sided promise. Verse 20, 21, he says, all the promises of the law are not fighting against the promises of grace. They're not, they're not fighting each other. There's no competition in the contract. It's like, it's like, come on, was there any competition? I tried to think it to myself, well, how Ball State was hyping themselves up to play Tennessee. I mean, like, like, I don't care what kind of coach you are. You can't convince those kids they're going to win. But you're on the team, so you got to believe, right? You're like, we're going to beat Tennessee. No, you're not. So, so, so like, it's not, is there a competition? No, we all knew. That's just silly. It's the same thing. The law knows that it's inferior to grace. The law knows, the Ten Commandments knows that it's inferior. There's no competition between the Ten Commandments and grace. It knows that it's inferior. And so it actually comes to make us, it makes us worse. The law makes us worse. Check out this little video clip I have for you. This is the epitome of the law. Look at me. You can have fruit snacks, but you can't have them right now, okay? You gotta wait. You gotta wait until mommy and daddy come back, okay? You can't eat these yet. You gotta wait until we come back. I'm gonna leave them right here. Don't touch them. Wait, okay? We're gonna come back. Don't eat them yet. Don't eat them. We'll be right back. We just gotta go get something. Just go, just wait a second. That's the law. That's exactly what happens when someone tells us don't, when, hey, you know, wait, what, what, what should happen? Those kids will not know until they love their mom and dad enough to understand the why and to know their heart and to have a relationship to that level. I mean, it's love living, not law living. Law living makes you immediately go. <laughs> it's just, it just puts us under this guard. Paul goes on to tell us that we've all been confined under sin because we've all uh, really, this, the, the 10 divine laws can't help you and I. That's what Paul tells the Galatians. Just because you have 10 divine laws, they're not going to get you out of the pit of sin because there was only one person that was never in the pit of sin, and that was Jesus. And so he's the only one that can get us up out of that pit. And so he delivers us. Verse 23, before faith came, this is important, before faith came, and I'm going to close here in a second. Before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. We were kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. So there's where Paul says, before faith came, you were kept under guard. That's what the law did. Now that faith has come in your life, you're not kept under guard by the law anymore. It actually says, Paul actually says, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ. So in ancient times, in ancient Rome and in the Greek culture, the kids that were kids in the family actually were still considered slaves. So you could be in the family, your father could be somebody, and you were actually still considered a slave until a certain age. And so what would happen is a tutor would be assigned to you in these families, and that tutor would go everywhere with you, and the tutor would walk you to school and walk you home and take you to breakfast, and you never even saw the father. You never really got to interact with the father in the family yet. 
And so then all of a sudden the tutor would say, sit up, stop that. Don't do that. And the tutor actually had a little rod and he would like actually smack the kids. These are kids in the family. There's a lot of Christians that live this way. And the tutor say, not good enough. Don't measure up. Stop that. Sit up. Use your manners. Don't say that. Stop that. Sit up. And then, and then the minute that the tutor decided the child was ready to be presented to the father, they would take the child, uh, male or female, and they would present the child to the father. And it was a rite of passage. And the father would approve and accept the child into the family with actually rights as an inheritance as a son or daughter. And, and the law does that to you and I constantly. Stop that. Don't. Sit up. Quit. Not good enough. Don't measure up. Stop that. My question to you is, why would you choose the tutor when you have dad? Why? Paul, Paul, Paul says we have the father. We've got dad. The, the law, the tutor is meant to bring us to Jesus, meant to show us that we're desperate without him. And now the father says, hey, I'm, I'm dead. I got you. you. You have rights as sons and daughters in the family. You have rights to never be cursed. You have rights not to carry around depression and anxiety. You have rights to believe for a good future. You have rights to believe that your, your marriage is going to work out, that you can be healed. You have rights as a son or daughter. Don't go back under curse. Paul goes on to the climax of the chapter and basically just says that you are sons of God through believing Jesus. It was an audacious statement. To get close to the law and those to, to God in those times, you had to keep all the law. You had to do all the things. But, but Paul says, you're sons of God by faith. By believing Jesus every day that he paid the price. And he goes on to say there's no Greek, nor Jew, nor male, nor female, nor slave, nor free. He speaks to three very uh, divisive and dividing categories in that culture. He says there's none of that anymore. He goes, he, he's, he's leveling the playing field in Jesus. We're all one in Christ. I want to pray for you today. And I, I, I want to pray this specifically. God told me some, some of you guys are in here and you, and you're a Christian, but you, you're living under curse. And, and what do I mean by that? If you say things like, I'll never, it'll never work out for me. It just is what happens in my family. I've met, I've met young ladies before that said, well, my great grandmother had breast cancer. My grandmother had breast cancer. My mother had breast cancer. And I know I'll have breast cancer. No, you won't. I've met people that it just, it doesn't go that way for me. I'm never blessed. You're not under curse. And so some of you out of your mouth really defines whether you're walking under Christ or in Christ or under curse. He says, you've been baptized. You've put on Christ. You've put on the anointed one. You've smeared yourself. Since you have him on, you can identify as him. If he's a son, I'm a son. If he's blessed, I'm blessed. If that's his dad, that's my dad. I can believe for power and blessing, overcoming darkness and Satan and sin can walk into a room and change the atmosphere. I can go into my workplace and stand boldly for Jesus. I can know the scriptures in season and out of season. I can be a mover and shaker for God in my community. Ah, I just think, I, well, I'm, I'm a young person. You don't know what all my friends are doing. I don't care. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. You're not under curse. They can be under curse. You're in Christ. You can pull as many people out of curse as you can by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray for some of you that are just daily grinding and you're tired. You're anxious because you're trying to measure up. And then I want to pray for those of you that 
or allowing the tutor to drive you, allowing the law to drive you, and you're ready to just get under God. I want to pray for that. And then maybe some of you are watching and you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you're online. You've never just surrendered to Jesus. Maybe you never just said, you know what, Jesus, I, I just, can I just say it's simple? It's simple. Jesus, run my life. I'm going to do what you tell me to do and I'm going to be empowered by your spirit to live for you. I love you every day. I I need you. I can't be good enough. I need you, Jesus. It's that simple. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Paul and the book of Galatians. Thank you for grace. Thank you that the law pointed us to Jesus. Thank you that all of the rules and all the regulations were designed to show us how desperate we are. So today, Lord, I thank you for faith. When faith comes, faith has come. It's Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We put our heart and our faith in you today. I pray for anybody living under just the tutelage of the law. Anybody driven and anybody just hearing every day, you're not good enough. Sit up. Don't stop. You can't. Don't. I pray for a love relationship to enter into their life today. I pray for them to come up under God and put on Christ today like never before and that they would walk out of anxiety, out of pressure, out of stress, out of believing for pain and chaos to believing you, oh God, for power and for good in their life today. I pray for anybody watching online that feels like they don't measure up today. Jesus, thank you that you paid the price for them and they can actually surrender and have you as their father. If you're in this room or you're online and you know you need to give your life to Jesus, I'm just going to make it simple. He died. He went to a cross. He took all the shame, guilt, took all the rules, nailed it to a tree, rose from the dead to give you a brand new heart and a personal relationship with God the Father. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But maybe you could trust in him today. You know you haven't put your faith and trust in him to be your savior and to, to lead your life. If you're online, would you just type in fresh start? I need a fresh start with Jesus today. I want God to lead my life. I I don't want to be under curse. I want to be under Christ. I'm going to surrender to him today. If you're in the room, no one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward, but I'm just going to ask you by an action of faith. You say, you know what, pastor? I've been under these other things. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to surrender to him and submit to him. I need Jesus today. I need a fresh start. I believe he died for me and rose from the dead. Would you put your hand up to me high so I can pray for you? I need a fresh start with God today. Thank you for your boldness, sir. Anybody else? I need a fresh start. I don't, I don't, thank you for your honesty. Come on, church people saying yes to God, yes to eternity. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. If you didn't put your hand up, put your heart up right now. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I surrender to you and you alone. You did all the work on that cross. You're simply that good. I believe in you today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me alive from the dead. Remove my sin, shame, and guilt. Thank you. I believe, God, that you are my Lord and Savior. Empower me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise in this place. What an awesome Savior. What an awesome gift of grace. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.